0: It's the weekend, so relax and listen to some stories the whole family can enjoy. That's right, it's the Saturday Story Circle, here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Chapter 28 There was a bite in the wind as night descended, and the budding tree branches that stretched above the respectable neighborhood creaked in protest. There was little of the promise of spring left in the air. A low, thin fog hung over the lawns and gardens, as if bleeding the last of the recent warmth away and the new life that it carried along with it. But for the wind, the night air was silent as the grave, with no sign of life nor note of movement to be heard. The streets were quiet, and upon the air there were faint wisps of the smell of fires coming from the houses that ran up the hill. Those fleeting aromas promised warmth and comfort within the comfortable homes, and suggested to any and all that inside was a much fitter place than out on such a night as this. Near the top of the hill, across a wide expanse of lawn, there were two fleeting shapes that clearly did not share this view. Were there any present to look for them, it is doubtful they could have been seen, So completely did they make the long, grasping shadows their home. The moon showed itself through the mist and chill, and bathed the home of Joshua Kane in a pallid, unearthly glow. The approaching figures froze and clung to the grey stone of the building as invisible as ghosts. Thirty feet away, they could just see the front door of Kane's stylish home around the corner. The porch light was out, and there seemed to be no impediment to their progress. It was difficult to say if this apparent convenience itself was what had given them pause, but they held their positions like statues for a full two minutes. At last the flying squirrel turned her cowled head back to face her partner. She could tell by the total absence of the dull, reflective gleam about his mask's blank eyes that he had his night-vision lenses turned off. She smiled approvingly. It was harder to keep in the shadows when you couldn't see the darkness, and she was pleased that he was leaving nothing to chance. She had a pair of fittings for her goggles, stowed within a pouch upon her belt, that had the same properties as his mask lenses, but she almost never used them. Kit Baxter liked the giddy taste of fear that hid only in the darkness. Besides, it kept her senses sharp, and they had need of that tonight. They spoke not a word to one another, but in the near-complete darkness they saw enough of one another's silhouettes to know each other's thoughts completely. "'Well?' the red panda said by turning his head just slightly. "'Well, what?' she replied by tucking in her chin, as if looking over the rims of a pair of glasses which she was not wearing. "'Shall we?' he said with a tiny involuntary movement of his left hand. "'We shan't,' she said with a waggle of her finger, then pointed up as if to the sky. He nodded his consent. The darkened doorway was too simple for a man like Joshua Kane, "'especially since his household staff had not returned from their errand of the night before. "'Cain would have prepared for them somehow, "'and if he were foolish enough to think that a dearth of tall buildings "'for them to swing down from would cramp their style, so much the better. "'Noiselessly they moved along the edge of the building "'until they reached a corner that was shrouded in blackness "'by the high boughs of an old oak tree that towered above the gardens. "'As one, they made identical motions with their hands.' "'Curling in the fingers on each hand, one after the other, as if grasping an invisible object, "'hidden controls within their gauntlets interpreted the gesture, "'and power coursed through the soles of their feet "'as the remarkable static shoes they each wore sprang to life. "'The Red Panda reached his right leg forward until the bottom of his foot pressed against the stone wall. "'As it bound to the solid object with the power of a massive static electrical charge, "'he hoisted himself forward and walked up the side of the building as an ordinary man might walk down the street. It was more of a process, to be sure. The constant tiny motions of the hand sensors required to grip and release the walls and push the feet forward upon the vertical path was like gently working a marionette. But the gestures required were minuscule, and through long practice he barely thought of them as he climbed, his partner moving silently a few paces behind him and just to his right, when they reached the top story of Kane's home, they each settled into a crouch, and scuttled across the open space of the wall until they reached a landing, onto which they dropped with a sound that was barely a whisper into the wind. The large French doors were locked, but the latch was a simple one, and delayed the man in the mask no more than a dozen seconds. They passed into the darkness of the house beyond quickly and quietly, so that as little wind as possible might disturb the silent stillness beyond. The latch closed behind them with the smallest of clicks, but the masked heroes froze in their tracks just the same. For a full minute they stood stock still and listened for any sign that their presence was known, listened for any creak, any footfall that might betray an opposing force. Kit Baxter's ears were naturally sharp, and her keen senses had been honed by adventure. She heard nothing but the even thump of her own heartbeat and the controlled breath of her partner. Another thirty seconds went by, He turned his head to face her. She shook her head. In the slight glimmer of moonlight that had survived the journey, she could just see the outline of his grin. He touched the side of his mask with a red gauntleted hand, and there was a momentary dull flash as his lenses sprang to life. He gazed about the small sitting-room in which they stood. It was comfortable enough, though it looked as if it had been recently disturbed. A drawer in a small end-table was still half open— and several papers poked through the opening, as if something else had been hurriedly sought and removed. He moved noiselessly around the space, his footfalls casting no more sound than those of a cat. The Red Panda ran his fingers along the edge of a bookshelf. Several large tomes had been disturbed and not replaced and now lay carelessly upon the ground. He reached behind the books that remained and felt an open space that would normally have been hidden. It was empty. He turned and saw the flying squirrel on point, close behind him, alert for any disturbance and finding none. He leaned in towards her, bringing his lips close to her right ear as she watched their backs. Looks like Mr. Kane made tracks, he whispered, trying not to be distracted by the smell of her hair. Kit's heart skipped at the feel of his breath, but she never lost her focus. She tilted her chin up slightly and twisted her head just a few degrees to the right to be heard. Think he's gone to ground? she breathed. Wouldn't you? came the reply. Before she had a chance to answer that, there was a sudden burst of loud static coming from one floor down, as if a phonograph arm had just been dropped upon a waiting record. An instant later the halls were filled with recorded sound of an operatic tenor. Interesting, the red panda said quietly, breaking for the door. The flying squirrel gripped his arm. If anyone had been putting that record on, I'd have heard them doing it, she hissed. He smiled at her. I said it was interesting, didn't I? Moments later, the door to Joshua Kane's study opened silently. The room was in precisely the same state of disarray that it had been that afternoon when Ajay Shah had seen it last. The false front in the bookcase was still open, revealing the wall safe, now nearly empty but ajar. Papers were strewn about the floor with little regard to their importance, and the great mahogany desk bore several piles of documents, clearly assembled in haste. The black leather chair was turned away to face the wall, but from the doorway the Red Panda could tell that it was occupied. "'Joshua Kane,' he intoned gravely. There was no reply. The music played on, but not so loud that Kane could have helped but hear the masked man's voice. "'Don't be coy, Kane,' the voice boomed again. We are far beyond that.' Again, there was no reply. "'I've had about enough of this,' the flying squirrel said. Before her partner could move, she had flung a combat boomerang across the room, hitting the corner of the black leather chair with a loud thwack before returning to her hand. The chair began to spin in response to the force she had applied, revealing a well-dressed young man with an utterly vacant stare. He spun with the chair, making no effort to stop himself, and showed no reaction to the presence of the masked newcomers. That's not Kane," she said as he spun. It's... It's young Randall Allen, the Red Panda said gravely. As in the Allens, with more money than God and only slightly less than you? The very ones, he said, moving into the room quickly. What's he got to do with Cain, she said, annoyed at the turn of events that made no sense. Not a thing, the Red Panda said seriously. Randall is too vapid for much and far too rich to be tempted by crime. Looks like he's been drugged. He's in a trance, came the reply at once. A trance? "'Okay,' she said with a shake of her head. "'So how did he put that record on? "'Even if he could move, I'd have heard something.' "'He didn't put the record on,' the Red Panda said, "'his fists clenched instinctively. "'Our mysterious friend did.' "'He's here?' she cried, "'producing a pair of throwing stars in each hand in a blur of speed. "'Where?' "'I expect he's far from here, "'using Randall's enthralled mind as a conduit, "'a relay station, if you will, for his telekinesis.' "'Telican how much?' she said, scrunching up her nose in distaste. She liked a straight fight. Exerting control over the physical world using pure mental power. That's how he knew we were in the house. He had a slave mind here, waiting for us. "'Swell. Why?' she said, quickly crouching to better see beneath the phonograph. "'I don't know,' the man in the mask grimaced. "'Come on, we've got to get Alan out of here. If I can get him into a neutral space, I might be able to help him.' "'Boss,' she said, "'I think we might have bigger problems.' The phonograph is wired up to a nice big strong box on the floor. What? And if that strong box doesn't have another one of those big stinkin' bombs in it, I'll eat my cowl. My guess is we've got till the music stops. Let's go, he said quickly, reaching out for the catatonic young man seated in the chair. His hand suddenly froze as a hideous smile spread across young Randall Allen's face, seeming to transform it into one the Red Panda had seen before. Boss, the squirrel called out in alarm. An instant later, the red panda realized that she was not responding to Alan's change. He turned to the doorway and saw a small collection of tufts standing shoulder to shoulder, three men deep in the doorway. They each wore the same glazed, blank expression as Randall Allen, and stood stock-still like statues. "'Well, come on!' she shouted at the assembled gorillas as she settled into a crouch, prepared to launch into the amalgam of martial arts she called Squirrel Foo. "'Let's do this!' The men in the doorway made no movement, nor any sign of having heard her. "'What kind of fight is this?' she snapped, annoyed. "'They aren't here to fight us,' he said with a glance back at the record which was rapidly reaching its end. "'They're here to slow us down.' "'He thinks I can't get past six zombie mooks?' she snorted. "'Carrying Alan? Before the record ends?' the Red Panda cried, hoisting the slight form of the wealthy young man on his shoulders. He shuddered as he heard a voice pass through Alan's lips a voice that was the pitch and timber of the boy's own, but carried the essence of a ghost from the past, a voice the Red Panda had never expected to hear again. Choose, the voice hissed. Moments later, as the final notes still echoed triumphantly through the halls of Joshua Kane's comfortable home, a wall of fire rose from the study and tore the building apart as if it were made of matchsticks. The roar rose like thunder across the quiet neighborhood. The thick black smoke masked the comfortable smell of wood fires. The tranquil song of the cold wind in the branches was lost to a cacophony of sirens from all directions. And of the red panda and the flying squirrel there was not a single sign.